Welcome back to Be A Better Baddie. My name is Quenisha and I am your host, coach, teacher, and fellow baddie. And today I am talking to my baddies in their 20s. My baddies in their 20s, I have a special place for you because I feel like that's where Be A Better Baddie was unintentionally born. I went through a very toxic relationship. I was learning more about my relationship with my family and how I wanted to live my life versus the life that I've seen. And just a whole bunch of other growing pains. Throughout my 20s, I flourished into the version that I am today, which I feel like is very well-rounded, very successful, and she's still succeeding even more. Very level-headed, very intelligent. Not me up here bragging about myself. I feel like a lot of the things I did in my 20s really did set me up to be in the place where I am today. And this goes back to when I made that series about being grateful, right? Showing gratitude for your past self. Every stupid mistake that 23-year-old Quenisha made, 31-year-old Quenisha is able to look back at and be like, you shouldn't have did that. But because you did that, you now know this or you now have this. So again, I'm going to preach this. There's no reason for you to regret what you did in the past. All you can do is learn from it, move on, live a better life. So this one is for my girls in their 20s. I'm going to give you all a couple of tips on ways you can thrive in your 20s or things you should at least think about. Even if you don't do them, you still have them in your head. As your host, coach, teacher, and fellow baddie who had made it through the ghetto 20s, and is now thriving in her 30s, I'm going to share a few lessons with you all. And if you're not in your 20s, then this video is definitely still for you. I'd love for you all to leave comments below about what you learned in your 20s. And let's spread the knowledge because if anything, we are lacking on women sharing their experiences with other women to prepare them as they age. And if you are not already following me, please be sure to give me a follow here, Instagram, TikTok. I am at HeyQuenisha on all platforms and let's get into today's video. So we're starting off very practical. Separate your savings account from your checking account. One of my first jobs was an internship I had when I was in high school. And one of my mentors told me that I should have separate checking and separate savings. And at the time, like I hadn't made any big purchases or was ever in a position where I needed to spend money very quickly. So I was just like, whatever. This is what people do. So I opened up the checking account and the savings account at two separate banks. There was no way the two banks could just automatically get money between one another. I also set up automatic savings. So when my paycheck hit my account, a certain amount automatically went to my savings account. So I would never really see my full paycheck in a sense. What was in there is what I had in it was great because when I eventually went to go check my savings, I was like, not you having money. And it felt really good at such a young age, save so much money. So I continued to do that, like with my work study job. When I got a job after college, I continued to do the same thing. I'm really grateful for that. It took about three days for my savings account money to hit my checkings account money. I wasn't really in those type of situations where it was like, I couldn't pay rent. Because I can say I'm pretty financially savvy and smart and I manage money well. But most of the times when I wanted money quickly, it was because I wanted to impulsively buy something that I shouldn't be buying. And also at this point, I was still afraid to use my credit card. I was like, I'm using cash. But separating accounts, I know, set me up in a very good place 
to feel as financially stable as I do right now because I did not have access to see that money. Number two is to be frugal. There's a difference between being frugal and being cheap. Cheap just means whatever is the lowest price, you're getting it because you want a good bargain. Frugal, on the other hand, means that you've done research and you want to make sure you get the best bang for your buck. It may not be the cheapest option, but it makes the most financial sense. I consider myself to be a frugal person, not cheap. Everyone is a luxury queen now, and that is what is popular, right? You have to have luxury this, luxury vacation, luxury car, luxury clothes. Everyone is a luxury queen on social media. And it took me some time to realize that some of these people are in debt. We need to get out of the mindset that when we see people with nice things, they did something horrific or not smart to get there. That is completely false. There are some people that can afford to go on multiple vacations a year, buy luxury handbags, live in luxury apartments. There are people that can afford that. But then there are some people who are living in debt. I know some of those people and I hear them talking. I'm like, wait, why do you have such a big credit card bill? Because when I think about using my credit card, it's just on a month to month basis, right? This is for this. This is for this. Every month I'm paying off my credit card. But there are other people that use their credit cards and they see it as an unlimited bank in a sense. That's not my money. I'm using the money to get some benefits and then I'm paying the money back. But be frugal in your 20s. And I think that in my 20s, I was definitely cheap. I was buying the cheapest thing. I was living in the cheapest apartment. And I think it paid off. Do I think that I could have been more frugal and made more sound investments and in things? Yes. I don't think this one is an absolute must, but I think it's something for you to just keep in mind as you start to earn money and spend money and start building this life for yourself. Start thinking about the types of clothes that you're buying. Start thinking about the car that you're going to buy. Start thinking more deeply about the neighborhood you live in, right? All of these things are investments, and I didn't necessarily think of them as investments in my 20s. With that, I also want to connect being frugal to not comparing yourself to others in terms of finances. Again, I talked about how you'll see some people who live the luxury life. They get the weekly manicures, the bi-weekly pedicures. They get their hair done. They go on vacation. They're out to dinner every night. Don't compare yourself to those people because, again, those people could be in debt or their, their family could be funding it. I'm just going to connect that one to the frugal. So that was three lessons so far. Separate the checkings from the savings. Be frugal. Don't compare yourself. Let's move on to the next part. The next thing that you should really start to think about in your 20s is how to advocate for yourself. This is a skill that took me a very long time to master because I was raised to not talk back, especially to adults like many of us are. Be happy for what people give you. So it feels very uncomfortable to speak up for yourself, especially when you weren't raised that way or that's something that wasn't valued in your culture. But not advocating for yourself does not work in the workplace. It does not work in relationships. It does not work when you are out at a restaurant. Like you do need to learn how to kind of set the tone, set the standard for the way that you want to be treated. This is so important because you're going to be meeting people from different walks of life, people that have learned different things, people that are established in different ways. So you must, must, must develop this ability to articulate your needs and to set boundaries and advocate for yourself in all these aspects of your life because ultimately you're going to be the one suffering if you don't. 
another layer that I'll add to this is as a Black woman, sometimes it is hard to speak up for yourself because you don't want to be labeled as an aggressive Black woman or a woman who just isn't grateful. Like, there's a lot of backlash that can come from women and especially Black women speaking up. I get that. I'm still struggling with it, but I think I'm so much better at it. And I wish that I knew that it was okay to advocate for yourself in my 20s rather than it taking me so long now. You never want to settle for someone else's perception of you being the story being told. You want to tell your own story. You want to be the narrator of your story. You want to be the author of your story. You want this to be your story and you don't never want anyone else to tell your story and learning how to advocate for yourself is going to make sure that the story is told the way you want it to be told. Next is number four. And number four is to know that there is no standard 20s. I always thought growing up that in my 20s, at least by 25, I'd be married, maybe 26, 27, start having children, 31, be locked and loaded and living the best life ever. I'm not there. But I mean, I am locked and loaded and living my best life ever. But no kids, no marriage. And I'm completely okay with that. It took a lot of time in my 20s to realize that everyone's moving at their own pace. And this is no longer the 1980s when you married the man who you grew up down the street from. And this is just your life, right? I've seen my peers get engaged and married and buy houses in their 20s. And I was like, whoa, what am I doing wrong? But I found that the solution to the, I'm going to call it the comparison devil, is to really think, do you want this? So it got to a point when I was in my toxic relationship and I saw other people around me getting engaged. I was like, if he proposed to me, would I even want to be married to him? And the answer was no. I knew it was a resounding no, loud no. I was like, ill, no, never, right? So it didn't matter what age I was. Like that right there is completely false. So I had this false narrative of what a 26-year-old should be doing and living like, and I know we're all getting to a place where it's just like, there is no, this is what a standard 25-year-old does. This is what a standard 40-year-old woman does. I think we're all moving to the own beat of our drum. We're all making our own beat. And it's beautiful because it's not one sound, one band. We're all playing different instruments and we're in the same band. I'm going to move on because that made no sense. Next is learn when to walk away from an unhealthy relationship, whether this is a platonic friendship, romantic relationship, learn how to walk away and know what's not worth fighting for. And right now, you girls, you 20-year-old girls are the luckiest because you have access to so much knowledge. And I'm going to tell the backstory. So I remember when I was going through this toxic relationship and my friend and I were on the phone talking to each other, venting about it. And she was also going through a similar situation. So we're on the phone talking and I'm like, something's not right. Like, this isn't right. So we're literally Googling. We're like, what is this? And we came across the term gaslighting. And let me tell you, when I finally, when I first read the definition of gaslight, I was like, that's what's been happening to me. And she was like, that's what's been happening to me too. Our minds were blown. When we were able to define what was going on with us, it made so much more sense and it kind of helped us move forward and set healthy boundaries, access to the knowledge of like what a healthy relationship is, especially when 
you didn't necessarily see one growing up is so powerful and you need it. In terms of friendships as well, like I think back to friendships that I really chased in my 20s. I'm going to say I chased these friendships because I thought that that's what you had to do, right? And there were girls that I was trying to hang out with, trying to do things with. And it was kind of like I was trying to take like a triangle puzzle piece and put it into a circle. And the two did not match, right? And I'm no longer forcing those types of, I'm not forcing any type of friendship or relationship anymore. But in that moment in my 20s, I felt like everyone's supposed to have a huge friend group. I need to hang out with these people. I need to go out with them all the time. I need to do this. I came to the point where I realized I don't need to continue trying to invest so much in relationships, especially relationships that I wasn't happy in, relationships that didn't help me grow, relationships where I felt like I wasn't positively contributing to the other person's life as well. Because when two people don't work together, they don't work well together and they probably destroy each other. Next is to develop some type of self-care routine. I can confidently say by me developing habits that require me to pour into my mental, physical, and emotional well-being, such as exercise and mindfulness and making sure I get adequate sleep every night, like that was such a strong foundation that I built that really set me up for success now. I know people who are now in their 30s and they didn't have that foundation, right? They didn't work out when they were in their 20s or think about what they were eating. And they're paying the price now. And don't do that. Use your 20s to learn more about working out. Learn more about nutrition because you're just going to keep getting older. And you only get one body. You cannot go buy a new body. You cannot go buy a new body when this one fails you. So... I've always had that mindset. Take care of the one body that you do have. Take care of the one brain that you do have, right? Take care of everything. You only get one of these. One, one. So take good care of it. Make sure that you aren't putting too much stress on it. Make sure that you are keeping it fit, healthy, enjoying life. Engage in those self-care habits, even if people around you aren't doing it. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. They are. When I got very serious about working out and eating healthy, people around me looked at me like I was crazy. People around me said I was doing too much. Those same people are trying to figure out how to change their habits right now. Okay, let's go to the next one. Next is to embrace failure. Embrace failure. You're going to fail. I said this earlier. You're a baby adult. You are probably one, two, three, four, five years in the game. Imagine yourself at five years old. You knew nothing. You're a new five-year-old now, right? You know nothing. You're going to fail. And guess what? That's so good because when you fail, that means you tried. When you fail, that means you learned something. And when you fail, that means you now know how to do it better the next time. So embrace failure. Next, and I'm going to pick up the pace, is learn how to network. And when I say learn how to network, I really mean learn how to talk about yourself. So I used to think that networking was not for me because only rich white people had to network. Everybody needs to know somebody. And as I started applying for jobs, I quickly saw that, oh, if I know this person, then I have a higher chance of getting that job. And I seen it really play out when I was looking for another teaching position. I texted one of my friends who worked at another school. I was like, hey, 
is your school hiring teachers? He said, yeah, my school's hiring next year. I said, okay, yay. And he was like, I'll let my principal know. He already knew who I was. He trusted my reputation. He knew I was a teacher already. And all he did was go to his principal, tell her, hey, I have this friend who wants to apply for this position. She then reached out to me. I was like, hey, such and such recommended you. I want to interview you. Did an interview, then did the application. So she didn't even have to filter through. It was more like word of mouth through the streets is that you're good. Come through. And that was great. So learn how to use the friendships and the connections that you have for more than just going to get drunk at night. I don't have a problem with it. Everyone, everyone needs to have their party phase. I love it. I'm here for it. I advocate for it. But learn how to flex those relationships into all aspects of your life, making them so much more meaningful and deeper friendships. I'm going to go back to learning how to talk about yourself. There's this book that I read called U-Turn. I can say that it is one of the few books that I've reread multiple times. And there's this portion in the book where she talks about building an elevator pitch and she lays out this framework. I literally wrote it down. I use that framework to create my elevator pitch that I still use to this day. I've shared it with other people, used the framework. And it's and it's so simple. It's I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's like you start with growing up, I was always known as or like just talking about some type of role you've always played in your life. From that role, you go into talking about how that role connects to your passions and your interests and then how you developed a career out of that and then why you're looking to progress to this next move. So it really taught me how to finesse words in a way and how to tell a story about yourself because essentially that's what everybody wants to hear, a story. They don't want to hear you walk down your resume. The last one I want to leave you with is to explore and invest in hobbies and activities that bring you joy and fulfillment. There's so much more to life than going home, going to work. In school, you had extracurriculars, you were involved in clubs and activities, you hung out with friends in between. You need something else in life. Do not go into this adulthood thing not thinking hobbies are important. And I've always had some sort of hobby. I'll say in my 20s, my hobbies were a lot cheaper than they are now. I love hobbies because they are a source of relaxation for people. They can spark creativity. And ultimately, they do help you grow because you're tapping into different parts of your brain and using those. So some of my extracurricular activities when I was in my 20s, I love how I use extracurricular activities instead of hobbies, but that's exactly what they are. I would work out. I would do little crafty projects. And I mean, just doing projects just to do them. I wasn't making paintings to hang up on the wall. I still have all of these paintings that I was trying to just play with in my closet just because I was doing it just to do it. I would try new hairstyles slash I was learning how to do my hair because I couldn't afford to get my hair done. I would try new recipes. Like I literally made marinara sauce from just tomatoes. Like I remember boiling the tomatoes and smashing them and going through that entire process. I think that all of these things stems from my childhood, right? I've always been the person who found different ways to fill their time. I wasn't just going to sit there and do nothing. And with this, I've learned a lot about how to fill my own time, how to be fulfilled in my own life, how to be comfortable with my own solitude. So when you have hobbies, you're able to break up the monotony of just eating, sleeping, working, eating, sleeping, working, 
that gets stressful. It gets stressful when you realize, wow, I'm literally doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. So I will end it there. Thank you all so much for tuning into this video. Remember that everyone's journey is unique and your life lessons are meant specifically for you to learn, not others, because you all move to the own beat of your drums. So if you enjoy this video, again, please do give it a thumbs up. Leave a comment below a lesson you learned in your 20s. If you are in your 20s, which of these lessons are you learning now or what lesson are you learning now? And I will see you all in the next one. Y'all look at all these fireworks behind me.